Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. So today we are continuing on uh, in this series called Living in Victory. And uh, each week we've been going verse by verse through the 23rd Psalm. And uh, today we're going to be talking about how do you live in victory uh, over the hurt that you experience in life, the hurt and the pain. So raise your hand uh, if you've ever been hurt. Okay, pretty much everyone. If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar or you're lazy, okay? I just don't feel like raising my hand. Okay, yeah, we've all been hurt. Now, in fact, let's just go ahead and be honest. Raise your hand if you've ever been the one who's done the hurting. Okay, yeah, again, we should all be raising our hand. In fact, you have probably hurt the person sitting next to you, right? Yes, yes, you have. Um, Hurt is a part of life. It is. Because we live in a sinful world, uh, an imperfect world, you are going to be hurt. In fact, the deepest hurts that you've experienced in life probably have come from the people you know and love the most. Uh, relationships. They are the greatest source of, of stress and, uh, and hurt in people's lives, but they're also the greatest blessing and the source of greatest joy. But people do hurt us. Sometimes you are hurt uh, intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Sometimes you are hurt uh, accidentally, uh, but sometimes you are hurt on purpose. So the problem, though, is our response to those hurts, typically is the wrong response. So before we look at how to live in victory over the hurt and the pain that we experience in life, I want to talk about four things that you should not do when people hurt you. Okay, so if you're taking notes, these are things not to do. Number one, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. This is the you know, grin and bear it approach to pain and hurt. Suffer in silence, bite the bullet, pretend it'll go away, you know, uh, pretend it doesn't exist. Um, we often try to cope with our hurt by doing this, by just acting like it, it, it doesn't exist. But ignoring it definitely does not heal it. And the hurt that you're trying to ignore right now, it's not going to get any better by just ignoring it. And and people will say this, time heals what? Time heals all wounds. That's a bunch of garbage. Okay? Now, well, let me say this. It can. It can. But sometimes time in and of itself only makes things worse if, if not properly dealt with. Psalm 39, 2 and 3 says, so I kept very quiet. I didn't even say anything good, but I became even more upset. I became very angry inside, and as I thought about it, my anger burned. That's what happens when you ignore it. Ignoring it turns problems, uh, minor problems into major ones. It gets worse. It, it festers. The wounds get infected, and they spread when we don't deal with it. So don't ignore it. Number two, uh, don't run from it. Don't run from it. You know, don't escape, retreat. Uh, David tried this, Psalm 55, 6 through 8. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape far from this wild storm of hatred. You know, every time I, I, I read that verse or come across this passage, Speaking of at the movies, um, it reminds me of that scene from Forrest Gump. 
don't know if you remember this or not, but it's that scene with young Forrest and Jenny, and they're hiding out in the cornfield from her dad, and she gets down on her knees, and she basically prays this verse. She says, dear God, make me a bird so I can what? Fly far, far away. Now, the problem for Jenny and the problem for you and me is that if not dealt with, you still have the same problems when you return. You take those problems with you through life. Now, there are a lot of different ways that people can run and escape from their problems, uh, become a workaholic. A lot of people today just escape through you know, social media, uh, through alcohol, drugs, uh, divorce, vacation. Maybe you're escaping this weekend, right, from your problems. Now, you can get high, you can get drunk, but when you come down from that high, when you get over that hangover, nothing's solved. Nothing's solved. Number three, don't hide your hurt. Don't hide it. Uh, some people don't run from it or ignore it. They just hide it. They keep it to themselves. They don't tell anybody. They wear a mask. And some of you, you are, you've become really, really good. You've become an expert at camouflaging your pain. And, and Christians are really good at this, you know? You come to church. You wear nice clothes. You put on a pleasant smile. But the fact is you have been hurt very, very deeply by someone. And we hate to admit that when we're hurt. So we disguise it. And again, people disguise their pain, camouflage their pain, all different kinds of ways. Uh, one way that people do it today is through materialism. You know, people camouflage their pain by going shopping. But possessions never compensate for pain. Psalm 32.3, when I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long, hiding just makes it worse. You know, here at Coastal, we are committed to building an atmosphere of honesty, of authenticity. You know, we want to create a safe place where real people with real problems can come and share without being judged. There is a healing that takes place when you're able to share. When you find other people who have the same problem that you do, it helps you, to, it encourages you, and it enables you to open up. But you can't share unless you stop hiding. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We've said this a lot, uh, lately even, that revealing is the beginning of what? Of healing. And as long as you are holding on to it and, and holding it in, you're never going to find healing. You know, some of you are holding on to hurts that happened years and years ago, and you're never going to get well if you're just hiding it. And we believe here at Coastal that one of the best places for you to, to have that authenticity and to be able to share is in community. And that's why we believe so strongly here uh, in life groups and in life teams where we can put people in, in groups of other people, small groups. I mean, I love this. I love what we do on Sunday morning. You know, I love attracting a crowd. I love sharing the good news of God's word and the gospel, but, you know, you're not gonna get to know each other in a crowd. But you can do that in, in community. Everybody has a hurt. Everybody, and it's different for, for all of us, but listen, you're not alone. You're not even alone in the hurt that 
you know, that you've got. You think you are. That's the deal, though. You think you're the only one, but there are others who've experienced the same thing that you have. And if you could somehow get the courage to share that hurt, you would find relief and you would be on the pathway toward, toward healing. Number four, don't resent it. Don't resent it. Uh, we do this when people hurt, hurt us, though, don't we? We get angry. We get cynical. Job 18.4, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. Bitterness is a poison that will kill you. It eats you up on the inside. You know, what resentment does is that it prolongs the hurt. It perpetuates it. It takes an event and it keeps it going. You know, when you're resentful, it, it prolongs it. Bitterness is allowing the people who hurt you in the past to continue to hurt you. You know, we think that by being angry and being resentful that you know, that it's hurting the people who've offended us. But resentment never hurts them. It just hurts you, you know? It's, it's a self-defeating attitude, and it doesn't work. So if none of these approaches will heal the hurt and the pain in your life, then what do we do? Psalm 23, 5. All of a sudden, the scene that we've been in, you know, we basically have been in a field, now it turns to a feast, a great meal. And David uses this image of a, of a grand banquet. And as he does that, he gives us several illustrations, three symbols that illustrate the steps that you and I can take in order to let God heal us from our, our pain and our hurt. So read this out loud with me. Let's read this together, Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me. Now, that was pitiful. Y'all got to, here we go now. We're going to read this out loud together. And one, two, three. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So these are symbols that represent how to receive healing from the hurt and the pain in our life that we experience. Number one, let Jesus settle the score. Let Jesus handle it. Let Jesus take care of it. Don't try to get even. Don't seek revenge. Don't try to retaliate for the, you know, against those who have hurt you. You've got to give it to God. You've got to let God you know, take care of things. And if you do that, he will. David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now think about this for a second. Sheep have all kinds of natural enemies. They do. I mean, wolves, coyotes, bears, snakes. Sheep are like the most defenseless animals there are. They, they can't defend themselves against anything. They don't have claws. They, don't, they can't kick. They can't run fast. They are the most defenseless animal that there is. They cannot be safe unless somebody protects them. And that's the job of a shepherd. The job of a shepherd is to find a, a field of grass, to drive out the enemies, and then to bring in the sheep and give them a safe place in which to eat. God says, let me handle it. Let me handle those who've hurt you. Romans 12, 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Listen, God knows what you've been through. God knows the pain that you've experienced. He saw it, and he can handle it. He can take care of it. He can settle the score. In fact, the Bible says that one day he will. 
There is a heaven, there is a hell, there will be a judgment day. He has far more resources at, you know, at his, available to him to settle the score than you and I could ever dream of. You know, you are not going to be able to recover from the hurt and the pain that you've experienced in your life if you are seeking to handle it on your own, if you're seeking retaliation, revenge. You basically have got to come to this decision. Am I going to seek revenge? Am I going to take care of it? Am I going to settle the score? Or am I going to get well? Because you cannot have both. Now, ultimately, there's only one way that you will ever get relief, and that's through forgiveness. Now, let me clarify a couple of things. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you say, it's okay that you, hit, that you hurt me. It's okay that you hurt me. That's, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not denying that evil is done in this world. Forgiveness means that I give my hurt to God, my pain, and I let him take care of it. And I let him prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, why? Why should you forgive? Let me, let me give you three quick reasons why. One, because you have been forgiven by God, and he wants you to forgive others. Secondly, resentment only makes you miserable and bitter. We've already talked about that. And thirdly, you will need forgiveness in the future. Matthew six fourteen, Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sin. Wow. You see, what you dole out, what you give to others is what you're going to receive. And the longer you try to handle it on your own, resent, you know, resent them and get angry about it, take revenge, the longer you're going to experience pain. You know, David was a warrior. You know, think about his lifestyle. He, he knew what it was like to be out in a battle, right? To have arrows whizzing by, to have people in his camp dying, swords flying. You know, he knew what it was like to have a battle, you know, turn against him. And he knew what it was like to be moments away from destruction and death. And so he says, but I also know what it's like to have the good shepherd protect me and preserve me. And even though I'm in the middle of a battle, it's as though God prepares a table for me, a seven-course dinner. And he says, hey, I'm gonna take care of you for a while. I'm gonna put a shield around you. I want you to sit down at my table in the middle of the battle, and I want you to relax. Here's, you know, here's the appetizer. Here's your soup. Here's, a, here's the main course, a little ice cream, a little coffee. He says, you know what I'm gonna do for you, David, for just a while? I'm gonna wrap my arms around you, and I'm gonna protect you, and I'm gonna prepare a table for you even in the middle of a battle. And God wants to do that for you, if you'll let him. Number two, let Jesus soothe my wounds. Let Jesus soothe my wounds. David says about the good shepherd, this is the second illustration, you anoint my head with oil. Now, shepherds would put oil on the heads of sheep basically for two reasons, to soothe and to heal. Believe it or not, probably the worst enemy of sheep are flies. 
They hate flies. They can't shake the flies off either by their hooves or by their tail. Summertime means fly time for sheep. We can relate to that a little bit, can't we, right? You know, the gnats, the noceums, all that stuff, right? Well, for a sheep, the flies get up in their nose and then just begin to lay eggs. And that whole process, the larva, all of it, just drives them crazy. In fact, sometimes in the summertime, you can see sheep banging their heads against a fence post or against a rock because they're going crazy because of the flies. Isn't it amazing how it's the little things in life that irritate you the most? What shepherds do is they take olive oil and they mix it with sulfur and they anoint the head of the sheep and it serves as kind of an insect repellent, a natural repellent. And the shepherd, this represents the shepherd saying, I'm gonna take care of the irritations. You know, even the small things that irritate you, I will take care of them. And the other way that uh, oil is used is as an ointment. You know, it would protect them. It was soothing. And so when David says, you anoint my head with oil, that's him saying that God is gonna soothe your wounds. You know, this is the same thing Jesus wants to do in your life. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. He says, not only will I settle the score, but if you'll let me, if you'll come to me, if you'll give me your hurts, I can also do a little repair work. I can soothe your soul. I can bandage you up. You see, once you've forgiven somebody who's hurt you, does that mean that all the pain from that experience is gone? No. Even after you forgive them, it still hurts. Forgiveness can be instant, but restoration healing. It might take months. It might take years, depending on the hurt. You know, when you get a deep, deep cut, you don't need a Band-Aid, do you? The deeper the wound in life, the more, the more time sometimes it takes, the more work the Lord needs to do in our life. I mean, think about the deeper wounds in your life, whether that's divorce Abuse, rejection by parents, molestation, being taken advantage of, manipulated by a friend. I mean, those things don't heal quickly. You know, a deep wound, it's got to be bandaged, it's got to be dressed. And a lot of Christians expect that once they've forgiven a hurt, immediately they're going to be made well. Well, not necessarily. Now, you've taken that first step toward healing, that first step of forgiveness, but now comes the healing where he begins to soothe your soul, and that can take a little bit of time. So what does that process look like? How does, how does Jesus do that? What kind of bandages or ointments you know, does Jesus use to heal our wounds when people hurt us? I, I, I've got several for you. First of all, I think God does use fellowship. He uses fellowship. You know, when you get together with other believers, that's where you find support and encouragement. That's where you're able to have that transparency and honesty and where you can share your hurt and receive emotional support. You know, I think about the support groups here at our church, whether that's divorce care and uh, grief, um, grief share and um, celebrate recovery. You know, the, the first thing you need to do when you've been hurt by somebody is you need to share that with others. Don't isolate yourself. 
Another thing that God uses, of course, is prayer. You know, when, when you're hurt, you need to talk it out. And if, you're, if you don't talk it out with God, if you don't pour your heart out to God, you will take it out on yourself and others. Tell God how you feel. Unload it to him. You see that all through the Psalms with David and his relationship with the Lord. He unloaded his hurt to God. God also uses worship. He uses worship. Listen, there is healing. There's healing power when God's people come together to praise him. Have you ever been in a church service and you were down, you've experienced a hurt, and the music starts and the tears begin to flow? That's emotional healing. God uses praise. He uses the power of his word to build us up and to bind up our wounds. God also uses ministry, ministry. This is helping others who've, helping others who've been hurt as well. You know, when you help others who've been hurt, it helps you. God set it up that way. In our, you know, in our church, we like to take people, introduce them to Jesus, the great physician. He heals them spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And again, that's an ongoing process, but then we encourage them to share what they've experienced with others. We help one another, and in doing so, it helps us in the healing process. You see, the church is supposed to be a hospital for hurting people. And think about it. All those things that we just talked about right there, that's the purpose of the church. The church is to give fellowship, opportunities for prayer, for worship, for ministry. And when you do that, that's when you experience healing. Now, for those of you who are hurting from something very, very major, I want you to understand a couple of things. First of all, healing does occur in stages, in stages. Now, I, th I think we get this when we're physically hurt, but it's also true when we're hurt emotionally and relationally. You know, again, when you're hurt physically, uh, when you experience something physical, you have a surgery, you break a bone, there, there are stages. You know, first there is the be still stage. Just be still, you know, you've had the surgery, lay in your bed, recover, but then pretty quickly, pretty quickly, they start telling you to do what? Get moving, right? Move your body. That's the second stage, the get moving stage. And there are people who are trained to do that. They're called what? Physical therapists. We hate them, don't we? You know, we get mad at physical therapists because they're the ones that come in and challenge you and make you do stuff that you don't want to do. And I know people who've been hurt, and so do you, and you need to be told that you've been in the quiet stage, the be still stage, long enough. And now God is starting to prod you and push you, and you're getting angry at him. And he wants you to get into fellowship. He wants you to get back in ministry and service, and it's time to get going again. And you don't like it. But you're never going to experience healing from your pain until you get out and you start doing these things we just talked about. Until you start serving other people, helping other people. There was a time, sure, for you to be quiet, for you to be still, but many times an awful lot of people stay in that stage far too long. And you got to get moving. Now the other thing you need to understand is that even after you've been healed, you will have a scar. 
Even after you've experienced healing, you, you're going to have a scar. There's always scars after you've been hurt. Ever play that game, show me your scar? Let's do it right now. Come on, everybody. No, I'm just talking. <laughs> Pull up your, no. Um, you know, show me your scar, right? And whoever has the most scar, the biggest scar, the most bizarre scar, you know, the weirdest story. Um, but every time you look at that scar, because you're going to see it, right? You either can remember your hurt or you can remember your healer. That is your choice. And so what I'm encouraging you to do today, instead of focusing on the hurt and the pain, focus on the healer. Look at the scars of your life and focus on God's grace. You know, when you think about and remember the defeat, the failure, that divorce, the abuse, the hurt, the pain, you can say to yourself, you know what? I am a trophy of God's grace. Jesus has healed my wounds. Number three, let Jesus satisfy my needs. Let Jesus satisfy my needs. Jesus, Jesus, uh, David says here, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. You know, in the Bible, an overflowing cup is a symbol of total satisfaction. It means I've got everything that I need. You know, think about it. In the Middle East, it's mostly desert, and so if somebody gives you a cup that is overflowing, that means they're wasting something, right? Water, wine. You don't waste, you know, liquid in the desert unless you've got more than you could ever need. And when you need to get hurt, when you need to get over a hurt, You've got to look at God to meet all of your needs. Now, why? Why is that so important? Well, one of the major reasons we experience hurt is that we are expecting people, other people in our life, to meet needs that only God can meet. No one can meet all your needs, okay? You know, nobody can give you the absolute security that you need in life. No person can give you all the love that you need. No person can make you completely happy. And if you're expecting somebody else to meet needs that only God can meet, you will be hurt. God never meant for you to have all of your needs met by another human being, not not even your spouse. On the other hand, God can meet all your needs. His love never runs dry. He's never in a bad mood. He will never let you down. And if you look to him, your cup will overflow. Will overflow with what? Let me give you three things. Number one, with hope. With hope, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll never run out of hope because you know he's never gonna let you down. You will overflow with love, with love. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as, our, just as ours does for you. Your cup can overflow with joy as well, with joy. John 15.11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Have you ever wondered when you go to somebody's house how long you're supposed to stay and when you're supposed to go. You ever invite some people over and they just don't take a hint, right? 
had somebody come over to your house and, uh, you know, you just didn't know how to tell them to get lost, it's time to go, you know, everybody's yawning, you know, they can't take a hint. Well, there's a custom in the Middle East that everyone knew had to do with filling a cup, okay? So if you came to somebody's house, even if you're a total stranger, the first thing you would do is you would offer them a cup of liquid, a cup, cup of water, a cup of wine. They would drink it, and you would refill it. They would drink it, and you would refill it. And as long as the cup kept being refilled, you were welcome to stay. Now, if you came to somebody's house, and after several refills, they left the cup empty, that meant your time was up. Okay, it's time for you to hit the bricks, time for you to leave. Now, if the host decided he really, you know, I mean, just things are going great, really liked this person, wanted you to stay a long, long time, they would take the cup and not only fill it, they would fill it to the brim and even let it overflow a little bit. Because again, you didn't waste, you know, liquid in the desert. But an overflowing cup was a symbol that, hey, you can stay as long as you want. You're special. You're loved. You're wanted here. And so when God says, I will fill your cup to overflowing, that means you matter to God. It means you're special. He says, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'll anoint your head with oil. Your cup will overflow. He'll settle the score. He can soothe your wounds and he can satisfy all your needs. Man, that's, a, that's an offer I don't think you can refuse. What a wonderful banquet, a banquet of wholeness and help and hope. And that's the invitation that he gives to every single person. He invites you to his banquet table. How will you respond? How have you responded? I hope you've said yes. If you haven't, you can, you can say yes today. Listen, I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know the hurt and pain in your life, but I know that the good shepherd knows. I know he sees, I know he understands, and I know he wants to bring healing into your life and wholeness, and your cup can still overflow. Come to him today. Come to him today. If you've never yet placed your faith in Christ, if the good shepherd is not yet your shepherd, you can ask him today. Listen, our God loves you so much that he knew that we would go our own way, that we would go off the path away from him. He loved you so much that in spite of our wandering, in spite of our sin, he sent the good shepherd to lay down his life for the sheep, for you and me. And if you would simply respond to him in faith and ask him to forgive you, to be your savior, to be your Lord, you can come to the banquet table. You can be a part of his kingdom now and forever and you can find healing for your hurts. Do that right now. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the reminder that the good shepherd wants to heal us of our hurt and our pain. 
And God, I know that in a room this size and people watching online, they're just, there's a lot of hurt and pain in this room. God, I thank you that, um, that you love us and that you see our hurt and pain and you want us to experience restoration and wholeness. And I pray today, God, that whatever it is that we might be going through, that we would, we would allow you to handle it. We would allow you to take care of it, that we no longer think that we've got to either retaliate or take revenge or settle the score, that somehow we've got to fix it and make it right. I pray, God, that we would just give it to you, that we would allow you to soothe the wounds that we're, that the, the wounds and the scars that we have, that we would allow you to anoint our heads with oil, that you would bring healing and restoration. And Father, I also pray that that we would recognize that you are the only one who can meet all of our needs. That we can't, no person, no other person on this planet could give us all the love, the security uh, that we need, that it only can come ultimately from you. And I pray that we would seek to find it there. Listen, if you're here today and you are ready to place your faith in Christ, if you're ready to ask Jesus, the good shepherd, to become your shepherd, just pour your heart out in faith to him right now. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit it. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I have gone my own way and I am broken and hurting. But today I believe I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to the cross for me and my sin. I believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And today I ask him to forgive me. Today I ask him to be the Lord of my life. I just want to follow him for the rest of my days. Thank you. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.